Thursday morning, France, all day. It's getting hot already. Yesterday was a scorcher, man. It must have been 100 degrees. Uh, we met up with uh, John Valentine Lee, and it's me, Orage, John Valentine Lee, sitting here at McDonald's version, uh, uh, France's version of McDonald's. Uh, it's, uh, it's a little cleaner, a little more upscale. The prices are the same, which surprised me. So I got a few things to report, like uh, Happy Pat was asking me when I was going to do an audio. I told him I was going to do one yesterday, but I, I, I didn't have time. We, we hit the road and, uh, you know, we spent most of the day on the road. I actually have to stop here to even get internet service. Uh, Orage and I are staying at uh, a commune, uh, the same, you know, there's a com uh, intercon these communes are all interconnected. Uh, and uh, the, the one in LA is, is like... Uh, it's a beautiful, it looks like paradise, man. Except for the smell of those damn outhouses. You could probably charge people 500, rich people $500 a day to stay there. I mean, they got all kinds of animal life. Uh, you know, France is strangely devoid of animal life. Uh, I, I mean, Germany has animal life. Uh, but if you're from America, I think the French, they, they hallucinate that they have deers. They have signs all over the highway. It says, Beware, you know, the, the look out for deer crossing. I haven't seen a deer since I got here, you know. In America, you got deer in everyone's backyard. That's when we put, the, put up the signs. I, I, I think the French have imaginary deers. Orage said the hunters shot them all. But uh, anyway, uh, where, where we were, there was all kinds. Of, we didn't see no deer, but there was actually wasps and dragonflies and insect life I haven't seen since I got to France. Uh, now, strange stuff has begun happening here already. Uh, but a couple of nights ago, I think it was Monday, maybe Tuesday, I kind of lose track of time here. Uh, we're at Orage's place in Providence. Uh, he's got like one of the biggest apartments there. His kitchen is bigger than my apartment. And uh, we're sitting there and we're doing uh, shots and uh, listening to music. And we're listening, we're do, look, doing that video, how b bizarre, you know, the one we, I posted a few times. And uh, how bizarre, this girl starts screaming up from the street. We're one floor up, and, and there's a car door downstairs, which a constant procession of people pass, cobblestone. Uh, the, like I told you, lavender places right next door. Uh, smell of lavender when it's open, wafts up, through, to, permeates the air. And uh, she starts yelling. It's, it's like 11 o'clock at night. Uh, and she's yelling up at us, ah, American music, ah, I love, and, and me and Orange are like, oh, come on up. So she comes up, and, and we're sitting there, we, we, we must have been doing shots, and uh, we're drinking monk beer with her for two, three hours, uh, and I find out she's from Virginia, of all places, and she's from a very well-known town in Virginia, it turns out she's from Roanoke, which is like uh, if I'm setting out from Crossville or setting out from New York to Crossville, Crossville to New York, Roanoke is my halfway point. It's a 14-hour drive. When you reach Roanoke, uh, it's seven hours. Uh, it's, it's a crazy little city in the middle of nowhere and uh, some of the most wild country on the east coast of the United States, east of the Mississippi, mountains and stuff. I was driving, like, I was like maybe... Uh, 10 miles east of there on, on the uh, Interstate 81 one day, and I see this huge animal uh, running down from the hill. 
uh, in the forest, and it's running down towards the interstate. And luckily, all the cars behind me seen it. And I'm thinking it's a dog. And uh, it, obviously, it was going to run right into the middle of the interstate. So everybody's doing 80 miles an hour. And I, I stopped. And thank God, the trucker behind me, he seen it. And we all stopped. And what was it? It was, the freaking thing was a 250-pound male bear. It was a boar, big bear. And he, and, and he stopped about 10 feet in front of my car. I swear to God, he stood up on his two legs. He looked at me, he did like a perfect ballet pirouette, and then he ran back up the hill. And I proceeded on to Roanoke. But that's how wild the country is over there. You know, you say, you have to break for deers all the time, but that's the only time i ever seen a bear run into the road. But in this city, it's a college town and stuff, and they have a lot of good restaurants. That's why a lot of times I'll stop there to get something good to eat. The gas prices are reasonable. So... By and by, we find out that, as you know, uh, O'Rage uh, and I went to go see that jazz uh, group uh, for, uh, the, other, the day before, two days before that. And what is she? She's there with her husband, and they have a jazz group, and they're doing the scene over there in Providence. Uh, and uh, it turned out that, that her husband is an excellent guitarist, and she tells me her, her son is on his way over, and he's, an ex he's a sax player. And he's, he's great. She's, I haven't heard him play yet. So we're sitting there, and O'Reilly shows her uh, Happy Parrot's lyrics. And she says, well, can you sing this? And I swear to God, she belted this out. Like, I says, are you black? You know, she's, she's actually Scotch-Irish. Scotch you know, they all are from over there in Virginia. And, uh, but she sounded, like, she sounded like Ella Fitzgerald or Aretha Franklin. Most beautiful gospel, and, and and it's like she had known the lyrics, man. She didn't miss a single a single, her iambic pentameter was perfect. So we we're talking, and by and we we're gonna get together. We uh, the next day she brought her husband over to meet us. He's the lead guitarist for the band, and uh, we're gonna try to put Happy Parrot's uh, lyrics to uh, uh, music. You know, I figured they won't let me speak and. Happy Parrot echoes like everything we talk about, and he puts it into poetry and lyrics. Maybe they'll let Happy Parrot speak if they won't let me speak. Uh, so we're going to meet up with them and uh, do a little. They, they're here for almost the same amount of time I'm here for. It's another coincidence. Uh, and uh, we're going to work on this and see what happens. So, but meanwhile, we, we, we took off on the road to Monsiga. Uh, now, we got Romaine. Romaine couldn't make it, but Romaine is working. He's got books and stuff. Uh, I'm hoping to be able to send you. We're going to transfer. Uh, he's doing a translation uh, of a book. Uh, he says it's very good it's, uh, on Monsiga. And uh, he's, like, directing it from behind the scenes, helping direct it. And uh, uh, John Valentine Lee is no joke either. He brought a whole notebook full of notes with names and places and stuff. So uh, we got no amateurs on this trip. Uh, and we have an interpreter over there already in the Pyrenees Mountain, which is the, uh, the guy who was writing uh, the stuff about voodoo. He's actually, uh, uh, he's, he's German, but he was married to a, a Cuban that was a voodoo uh, princess. And, she, well, she's stuck in Cuba. And uh, we'll, we'll be meeting up with uh, Joe uh, in, in Monsignor. He's waiting for us. Uh, so, but I, I want to... I said, like, supernatural stuff is already starting to happen. We're, we're sitting there, 
the next night, okay? And we went and we saw another jazz group. And I'm telling you, we didn't even put our drinks down. There was no way anybody could have Mickey Finn to drink. I was there. I know the whole deal with Mickey Finn's. When I worked at Cafe Royal, it was the most popular sport. The girls would dump lids into uh, into each other. A lid is a lid is like liquid uh, uh, that liquid liquid uh, powder that was a special K. It's ketamine, and the girls would uh, the dancers would bomb each other's drinks with ketamine when one wasn't looking. So I learned in the Cafe Royal never to put a drink down and walk away. So me and old age, we had about two or three beers each, and we go back to his, uh, his place, and uh, it was a walk, 15-minute walk. We get there. He's fine. He's fine. I'm fine. And we did, I think it was three shots of vodka. Now, Orage is not an amateur drinker. I mean, you know, he, he'd do 10 shots and not, not, not uh, he won't even blush. Uh, we, do, we do it all the time. He did, uh, let, me, let me preface this with this. We decided to watch the movie The Secret Glory, which we will be watching again. Now, The Secret Glory looks to me as if it's been altered. Uh, I will include I will include a link to the movie, and you guys can watch it yourself. I have the transcripts. I have to go over The Secret Glory and, and, uh, and the transcripts and, and look at it really closely. But it seems to me it's been altered, and it's now... Uh, you know, uh, you know, it wasn't black and white, and it was uh, the, the the audio wasn't very good on. Now it's now all perfect, and as you know, it was made by uh, more or less British royalty, which is the only reason it uh, Stanley. You know, Stan Livingston, I presume. You know that Stanley, that he made the movie, uh, that family, and uh, we're sitting there, we're, we're watching it, and already starts slurring his words, and. He's getting incoherent. And I'm like, you know, he did three shots. I've never seen this happen to him before. And then he saw, it's got all these strange noises in the background, too. And he's saying, this is no movie. This is a spell. This is a spell. And I'm like, yeah, okay, O'Rage, whatever you say, you know. Uh, and and uh, I did hear the noises. These noises were otherworldly. Like I said, I'll include that link with the post. And uh, in the mid-sentence, I'm talking to him, and he just goes to bed. He goes in his room, shuts the door, and he snores like a freaking chainsaw. And I, I hear the chainsaw running. All right, so I'm looking at the secret glory, and I'm looking at my transcript from the old post. And he, I, I, you know, it was like an hour maybe or something. And then I went to bed myself, maybe about 1 o'clock in the morning. And I went right out, of course, and I'm sleeping. And I wake up, and Orage doesn't wander into your room and stuff like that. He doesn't do shit like that. And I, I leave a little light on because there's, uh, there's my room, then there's like another room, and then there's a bathroom. So if you don't leave a little light on, it's pitch black in there, and you can't find the bathroom. So I leave a little light on in the mid-room. So I, 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 I wake up, and Orage is standing at the door. He's closing the door. He's opening the door to walk out of my room. And I'm like, and the light in my room is on. He turned the light in my room on. So I'm like, what are you doing? And he just mutters something. And then he shuts the light off, and I'm in pitch black. I couldn't see a damn thing. I 
I got up out of the bed, and I'm feeling around. The bed felt different. It didn't feel like the room. I, I, I'm telling you, I could not find that light switch for about a minute. And I, I, you know, I know where the light switch is. The bed felt short or something, and where the light switch should have been at the foot, I couldn't. I finally found another thing that, that's like a, a spotlight by the bed, and I slipped, slipped that on. By the time I get out there, the door was closed, and he's sawing wood again. The chainsaw is running, and uh, so obviously sleepwalking. So I get, I look, uh, I by now I'm up. I go to smoke a cigarette. And the freaking front door is wide open. Now, I don't know if he walked out into the street, too. The table was moved. Uh, when I told him about in the morning, he was shocked. He doesn't sleepwalk. Uh, so I, I, <laughs> this is what's happened so far. Uh, we're expecting more of the same. Uh, now we've got John with us. Uh, there's three of us. And soon there'll be four of us. So, um, so we leave for uh, a Monsiga that, that morning and uh, that, that really the afternoon we run into this French guy in a little hilltop village and he just starts talking to me in French and he's telling me Italiano he was half Italian French that I could get that but he's going on and on and on for 15 minutes in the boiling hot sun man we were standing under the awning and I'm like get out of that because sweat is running down his head as he's talking. He was an old guy showing me he's got a wooden leg and stuff. It was like really weird. I thought he wanted money like a bum in America. But he, he was like getting insulted. I was trying to give him money. I was like, you want a drink? What do you want? He's like, and he's just going on and on to me. His life story, O'Rage tells me, he was telling me in French. So I only got on the road. And I'm like, you know, what, what was that? Was that a gin? I don't know. I don't know. It just seemed very strange. Uh, so we continued on our way. We met John Valentine Lee, who ordered me an excellent French meal, by the way. The best muscles they ever had. Uh, John, why don't you say hello? Come here. Let's say hello to John Valentine Lee. Hello, everybody. Uh, John Valentine Lee here. The King's Highway beckons us. And uh, yeah, we're uh, experiencing strange days indeed. So uh, we got him for the food guide. He's promised to make one. He's a, he's a very well-known chef in Europe. He works for celebrities and stuff. And he's promised to make us some food and stuff. Uh, today we're just going, we're going to go do the beach. We're going to go see the Three Marys, which in fact are actually the tripartite Hecate, Three Faces of Hecate. And uh, that goes back to my school days. I wrote about it in the book. Uh, and... Uh, they, they made us read that thing. I was in second or third grade about a guy who runs into the church, uh, and uh, he's breaking all the windows in the church. He cuts himself up like a holiday roast, and it turns out he was into worshiping Hecate, and somehow she had turned on him, and uh, he bleeds out in the church with the police coming. And this was a reading test for uh, second or third grade given to us by the Jesuits. Now... My Jesuit friends, did you know that that was going to happen to me when I was 29 or 30? I don't know. You guys, uh, I'm going to go see the tripartite celebration of the Black Madonna today in Hecate. Oh, I'm thinking, I, maybe I'll call you today. Uh, well, what are we going to do about that? Anyway, uh, I'm... 
going to sign off. I only want to do a brief thing. I had promised Happy Parrot. I would give him a progress report here. Uh, and uh, seems we're running into some supernatural phenomena already. Uh, I'd like to see a lot more than that. Uh, I know Otto Ron found the grill. He found it in 1931. Anything that happened after 1931 is a simulation using hyperborean technology gained through, through, through the uh, cracking of the code on the grail, which was in actuality a stone. Grail means stone. It's in, it's, it's, it's in the Cosa Nostra website. There's much about it. Uh, and it's at Koblitz, where the devil is in the house of Hohenhausen, and he's holding, he's holding I, I showed you the picture, he's holding the grail. The devil has the grail. So... This is where, this is where, you can also read Lucifer's Court, and Otto Ron tells you he has the grail at the end of the book, and he says he's going to use it to write a new book. This is the new book. A great wrong was done to Apollo. A great wrong was done to Apollo Lucifer. And Otto Ron's ideal, or his goal, is to write that wrong. And this simulation is about writing that wrong. Uh, and I, I suggest... You all need to read, if you haven't read it, The Court of Lucifer. Uh, and uh, that's where we're going right now. Uh, we're the new Court of Lucifer. And uh, so, wish us luck. Uh, we ain't going to need no luck, but eh, well, you do spells if you pray. Whatever you do, just send whatever power you have. Uh, maybe we'll find something. Maybe you ought to left something. Well, maybe something else will happen that I can tell you about. And that was like some weird stuff with old Rage last uh, couple of nights ago. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, he, he took it like a trooper, but didn't even shake him up. Uh, I remember when I, I was a little worried because uh, when I was younger, uh, I had wrote, wrote about this, I think, in the book, too. Uh, I had a biker kid uh, after I had called myself up on the windows and been in the hospital for months and was in a wheelchair. Uh, this, this biker kid, he was uh, took over the bouncing at, at the clubs at uh, Gaslight and Bogart, and uh, he was like a pagan. Uh, he, was, he wasn't really a pagan, but he was like, you know, he was with them. So he loved me, and he was like, you don't have to do anything. I'm, uh, you don't fight anymore. I fight, you know, and he was a smart kid, too. He was about six four. He was a uh, uh, he was a world champion bodybuilder. He wanted to win the Mister America contest, and uh, you know my wife loved him too. I mean, he was a sweet kid, uh, and I uh, used to sleep on my sofa. So I, I was doing uh, I was doing the Kabbalah one day in front of him, and uh, he wanted me to teach him the names of God. And supposedly you're never supposed to teach somebody the names of God. Uh, only Metatron can teach you the names of God. Uh, that got us two names, but we won't talk about that. But anyway. I taught, I showed him, I showed him how it was done, I showed him the, uh, it's a cipher to get, get them. And he seemed to understand it. Like I said, he was a real smart kid. Uh, that night, he slept on the couch, and he woke up a block or two down from my house, peeing on the car. He woke back, he told us, when he was extremely disturbed. He said he'd never slept walk in his life, let alone outside peeing on a car. And... That very same night, he had his bike behind a, a car that was carrying like a carpet that was strapped to the top of it. The carpet came undone, came flying off the car, hit him, and he rushed him to the hospital with a helicopter, but he was dead by the time they got there. And 
that was the end of Tony. So I don't think O'Rage is going to go out like that, but I got to keep an eye on him. I promised his sister I would. So our next, our next report will come from, from, from the castle. That's where we'll be staying at, uh, at the foot of Monsiga. And that will be in two days. I will see you then.